Welcome to Talking New Energy, a podcast from Delta EE, the new energy experts. We'll be talking about how the energy transition is developing across Europe, with guests who are working at the leading edge of this transition. Hello, and welcome to the episode. The energy transition is seeing a whole host of companies having to transform themselves. One of the best examples of this is a journey that some oil companies are embarking on. Repsol and more recently Shell have declared bold ambitions to be net zero businesses. So should we think of them as oil and gas companies or with these ambitions, new energy companies? Looking at where their revenues come from today, they're still oil and gas companies for sure, but that's natural given their starting point. How will they make the transition to become net zero businesses? And how are they going about this today? particularly in the hard to decarbonize area of heat. So that's the question we'll be looking at today, uh, together with my guests, Joe Coleman, OBE, who is Shell's UK Energy Transition Manager, and our head of heat here at Delta EE, Lindsay Sugden. Let's say hello to my guests. Hello, Joe. Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for joining us. Um, Joe, I described Shell as an oil and gas company, at least in terms of your revenues today. But I know that's a bit of a simplification. You're not starting purely from that point today, are you? No, that's that's a fair comment. Um, and I think you know, you're right in terms of revenue. It is from oil and gas today. Um, but, but I suppose in, in thinking through kind of where we're going and where it's useful to look at where we've come from. And, you know, Shell started life in the early 1800s um, as a trading company. It was called Shell Transport and Trading. And it actually traded shells at the time. It brought shells from the Far East to, uh, to, to the UK. And trading has remained at the heart of what Shell does. And is, it's at the heart of what Shell does today. Um, so, you know, building from that base of shipping shells, we went on to import kerosene, which was used for um, lighting in homes in the UK. It replaced whale oil and other less palatable things to be um, burning in people's homes. And only later on did it get into you know, refining and, and producing um, a, a variety of oil products and then into oil and gas production. And then more and more so, I guess we've, we've weighted the portfolio towards gas over oil because we see that having the longer fit with the energy transition. But so it still comes back to trading being at the heart of that. So I guess it depends. There's a famous uh, business philosophy. You might know it about what business are you in? So is Shell in the business of oil and gas or is Shell in the business of energy? or selling energy to customers, or is Shell in the business of being a, a trading company of whatever it is customers need? So, uh, so, so I would say first and foremost, we're a trading company who, who, and we sell energy products and actually a variety of non-energy products to consumers, both hmm. uh, B2B consumers, but also B2C consumers. And, and just to put that into context, um, we have more retail sites selling to customers around the world than Starbucks. Um, oh, that's, a, that's an amazing statistic. It is an amazing statistic. We have 44,000 retail sites globally. Uh-huh. Just in the UK, we serve 5 million customers at our, at our retail forecourts, you know, at, at our petrol stations, if you like to call yeah. them that. Yeah. And we have a million customers in Shell Energy. So, so 
and and not all of that is backed up by you know the oil and gas part of that is not just backed up by our own production we sell many 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 times more products than we produce ourselves yeah. and of course the okay. same applies as we think about the new products as well and coming into power so so the weight of the business today is oil and gas because that's where the market has been that's where your business has been but uh you've got a whole you know the, these customer interactions the range of things you're doing the trading activity means that hopefully you can navigate away from oil and gas and net zero by 2050 so shell's ambition to be net zero by 2050 it's it's a big ambition uh, a, a great ambition your role in that is uk focused so can you tell us a bit more about your role and uh, I guess in the UK and also on that journey from where you are today to being net zero by 2050. Yeah, so my role is to both drive and coordinate across all of Shell's different businesses that are in the UK to both um, show them the opportunities that are in the energy transition and the risks of not moving. Mm. Um, but also to show them, kind of help them understand the local environment in the UK. So what are the opportunities at a kind of local level? Because we have in some areas very global businesses. Um, it, and it's to make sure that we have an integrated strategy and, it's, for example, an integrated policy and advocacy position mm. at a country level. We don't have one business kind of wanting one thing or one business yeah. wanting another. We have to come together as a coherent whole in the UK. And is that, and is that challenging? Is that challenging, Joe? Because you'll have different parts of the, you know, I guess the parts of the business that are not in new energy, that where that net zero uh, target you've got is going to be quite challenging for them. So, it, it, yes, yes, it is. But I think part of that is showing them it's about the opportunity and the risk. Mm. So if you can see the opportunity of where you can play in the energy transition, then I think you can grasp it and you, you become part of the solution. Yeah. So whether it's our upstream business that's based in Aberdeen or whether it's our retail business, you know, the petrol stations, it's about grasping that opportunity and seeing how you can contribute. So so I think that is how you kind of shift corporate thinking in this yeah. area is, is to make it become part of the solution by focusing on the opportunity rather than kind of trying to resist uh, the change that's going to happen and, and, and seeing it purely as a threat. And, and is your role, Joe, your role is a UK role, but do the same similar roles or equivalent roles exist in other countries within Shell? Or does each do. country doing it differently? No, they, they, they do, but we are going through a major reorganisation at the moment. Um, mm. And so I would say that the you know, roles like mine have been here to drive the organisation from really from um, sort of 2015 and 16, when we said we supported the Paris Agreement and we... Um, launched our new energies business but recognizing that this is not just about a new energies business it's about all of Shell's businesses so these roles were put in place at that time to support the transition but the reorganization it, it really embeds the journey towards net zero and and, and you know, Shell's ambition in our organization okay and in the beginning I mentioned heat uh, being uh, we've talked about it often on the podcast. Uh, I think the hardest to decarbonize sector out of the main main sectors. Are you 
does your work and would you say Shell are thinking holistically about all areas of emissions or do you think Shell has a natural focus on certain areas? So we're certainly thinking about all areas. Um, we supply energy today in all areas. So whether it's whether it's power, whether it's gas for heating homes and businesses, you know, whether it's aviation fuels, whether it's um, you know fuels for for um, cars and and trucks. So so we provide energy to all of these areas. So it has to include all of it. But we do have a number of areas we're focused on in the UK because you can't do everything everywhere and I think it's yeah. particularly when you're exploring what role you can play you, you don't have to test everything everywhere yeah and those focus areas in the UK what would do you want to highlight what one or two or what yeah yeah so power is a big mm -hmm. one um growing a power base we see power um needing to go from sort of 20 percent of um, end use demand today to upwards of 60 70 percent of end use demand so growing that power business from our very strong trading business today um, is a big part of that um, so is low carbon mobility yep. so um, the infrastructure for charging electric vehicles at homes workplaces um, offices and on the go and they all need you know slightly different types of infrastructure yep. um, is important and then the other the other kind of clean energy is in um, carbon capture and storage mm -hmm. and in hydrogen both um, blue and green hydrogen but hydrogen basically for use in transport and industry potentially in homes mm. and then the final one is about the role of oil and gas because we can't switch oil and gas off overnight that's not it's not actually it's not going to help anybody mm. um so it's it's helping people to understand what is the role of oil and gas throughout the energy transition there is still an expectation there will be oil and gas in use in 2050 um but it needs to happen in a way that's clean so some of that will go into products like like chemicals you know oil and gas goes into things from shampoo to toothbrushes to mm. Um, all sorts of things today that we're still going to be using in 2050 um, but also using it in hard to abate sectors and, and therefore needing you know the, the aspect of net zero that you need offsets yeah um, yeah so very, using it very selectively in those yes. uh, areas that are yeah. really really, really hard to decarbonize yeah. clearly it has to decline um, yeah. in, in usage yes that's yeah. that's we, we totally get that yeah and Heat. So Shell, I guess your customers might not think of Shell and heating, but you're in the gas value chain, you're in the oil value chain, you're in the electricity value chain. So naturally, that gives you an opportunity to play a part in the decarbonisation of heat. It does. And I think heat is probably the hardest nut to crack um, mm. in this space. It's probably easier with business customers who, who A, understand um, how much energy they use for heating um, and B have I think a strong incentive to reduce their emissions and um, so it's probably probably easier with business customers than it is with consumers in their homes mm. um, but yes we are you know through Shell Energy Retail um, our consumer um, energy business we are I guess starting on a journey of trying to educate people and kind of just make them aware of how much of their emissions comes from using gas, mm. um, engaging them today in things like like offsetting, so carbon neutral homes. It's clearly not the end 
solution yeah but it starts to engage them in um how they use heat um and then also thinking just solar panels and batteries and the kind of the whole smart system in the home and how you can adopt these different technologies mm. and and yeah recently that has extended into heat pumps in the uk as well well let's come back to uh, that work with heat pumps in a bit um before we do that let's uh bring in my other guest lindsay sugden hello lindsay hi john um lindsay on the topic of heat so the uk i i think the uk's had a bit of a wasted decade with decarbonizing heat now that's a bit harsh and i know some people would disagree with me um but we're still going we're still mainly gas there's a lot of oil uh, fossil fuel off the gas grid. Heat pumps have gone from 20,000 to maybe 30,000, maybe a bit more units a year. Big ambition with electrification, possibly hydrogen. When you look across Europe, how how divergent or how similar are the approaches to decarbonizing heat? Um, yeah, there's, there's definitely some common themes um but the approaches and the kind of balance of which may be the preferred solutions is is different um you, you've got the common themes of electrification of heat um transition to low carbon gases district heating or greening of district heating networks um but as i said the, the approach is very different so france is is probably the best example of a country which is very much going down the electrification uh, route and and mm -hmm. electric uh, heating is even displacing gas uh, to some extent and that's probably the only example we we see in, in europe of this happening um in uh, the netherlands you've got really ambitious gas natural gas uh, phase out goals both in existing buildings and, and new builds um but there's still going to be and a lot of this will go to electrification but there's still going to be a role for growing district heating um, and hydrogen is, is a topic there you know in the uk as you mentioned yeah there's there's especially at the moment these big uh, this new target of um 600 000, uh, heat pumps a year by mm. by by 2028 um electrification is a is a big story but hydrogen is is also a big story and to date electrification has really just been focused on on new builds and the off-gas sectors, the oil sector. Um, yeah. in, in the Nordic markets, uh, it's a bit bit different, more focused on district heating, greener district heating um, and electrification. And where there is gas grids, these are even where they're going to become greener, they're less likely to be used for heat in future. Okay, so different, same types of ways forward, different emphases uh, depending yeah. on the country or some yeah, more enthusiastic about hydrogen or electrification or the balance between those two. Yeah. Um, you mentioned about on gas grid and off gas grid, and I think it's a really interesting way to think. The the big challenge is on gas grid, and I don't think we've seen many countries, as you say, shift people off natural gas onto something else. But we have seen countries uh, really shift off gas grid fossil fuels onto electricity. Uh, yeah. onto heat pumps um, what would be a good example of that where where a country's really uh, moved a big chunk of customers from oil to to heat pumps i mean it's it is happening across europe um it, oil is the kind of low-hanging fruit for electrification mm. um but if you should look for countries that i suppose are furthest along 
the line uh, for furthest in in terms of progress with that you probably look to the to the nordic markets um mm -hmm. where the you know, there's been a focus on phase out of oil from you know even some cases kind of decades uh, this this has been happening and as a result we're seeing quite a lot of um of the oil companies in these areas with coming out with quite innovative offerings investing quite a lot in in kind of repositioning themselves in the well that, new that's interesting electrifications yeah. yeah it comes back to the uh you know what business are you in are you an oil company or are you a heating company yeah. and uh i know you've got a couple of examples of well maybe not oil companies in terms of upstream producers but oil companies in terms of suppliers of oil who have started to develop heat pump businesses so that's sort of a i think a great example of being in the business of heat rather than the business of supplying oil can you give us a, a quick illustration of a couple of those uh companies yeah so so a couple of uh, good examples um firstly from finland a company called st1 who have were traditionally an, an oil supplier and um, they're really been re refocusing on or their, their new kind of mission statement is that they should be a low carbon energy company rather than an oil company and um, so through this their kind of local energy business which they've set up they're offering leasing and service type contracts or heaters service type contracts with with heat pumps this is mainly for collective heating um, mm -hmm. and they're investing in geothermal energy and um, they're also doing time of use optimization with heat pumps so remotely controlling the operating times of heat pumps for grid balancing um, okay so so they're they're a good example um then in in denmark uh, okay which is traditionally an oil supplier in fact they started off in coal made the transition to oil when coal was kind of on the way down and now they're really making the transition towards electricity um, they, they supply oil gas electricity um, but they're really focusing on services around uh, electrification of, of heat um, and they've been selling heat pumps actually for about 11 years uh, in mm. denmark um targeting oil companies now they've got a whole range of of offers ranging from kind of maintenance contracts to um leasing heat pumps heat as a service uh, with heat pumps they've got their own installation force um so you know both these companies are essentially seeing this step from being an oil supplier to being more involved in electrification of heat or services around yeah. electrification of heat this is necessary for their kind of transition to becoming new energy yeah. companies that will survive in a kind of decarbonized energy. Well, I think the, the great example is in that the uh, success or not will be in the execution of that and how well they uh, they build those businesses, no doubt. Um, yeah, and they, Joe, they actually um, are quite well established already, so. Yeah, um, uh, so they're, they're doing well. Um, and Joe, in sh you mentioned heat and uh, in relation to the other sectors and heat probably not being as where you're, um, I don't know the right way to say it, as active or you're engaged, but it, it probably at a level below power and mobility just because of where you've been at. Um, but you've got a really innovative project product called B-Snug. So just like the two examples Lindsay talked about, you've been selling oil, heating oil, but you've now got a heat pump proposition. Can you tell us a bit more about it? Yeah, so I guess for me that actually fits into our whole power play 
Mm. Um, because it is about electrification of end use demand. So, so that it, it is part of the power play. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, so B-Snug, B-Snug is selling um, smart hybrid heat pumps uh, to um, off gas grid consumers. As Lindsay was saying, they're the most able to pay mm-hmm. um, because of you know what they pay today for oil or LPG consumption. We're working with Passive Systems, who I'm sure your um, your listeners will be aware of, has been doing some really innovative stuff with heat pumps in the UK. Yep. Um, and really, we see our role as helping them to scale their solutions. So it's not our solution, but we're helping them scale. Um, okay. And we're doing so by working with, you know, basically, we pay a very large proportion of the upfront capital. We know that you know, capital costs are a big constraint on consumers mm-hmm. switching to heat pumps. So we pay that capital in return for um, the consumer assigning their RHI benefits back to us. And the RHI is that's a UK equivalent of a, like a heat feed-in tariff, effectively. Uh, it's not fed yeah. in, but you're paid a bonus price for renewable heat that's generated. Indeed, and uh, it's been a bit on-off in the UK, and and you know that doesn't help with consumer confidence, mm. even for those consumers that understand what a heat pump is. Mm. And the hybrid solution, so that's still with an oil boiler or an oil burner, but with a heat pump, electric heat pump there. Did you, how much did you think about whether to go with a full electric heat pump and no oil or what led you to that hybrid solution? So I think it's about taking consumers on the journey. Mm. Um, what Lindsay perhaps didn't say in her comparison of the UK to other um, European countries is that we have the leakiest houses in um, in Europe. Yep. Um, and that makes heat pumps all the more challenging. And so we think there's also an opportunity to use heat pumps in combination with other fuels. So um, you know, for the off-gas grid consumers, it's oil today, but it might in the future be in combination with hydrogen um, for on-gas grid yep. consumers. Yep. Um, but we think that gives them an opportunity to have that reassurance that, that even in the middle of winter on a very cold day, that, that um, you know, they're still gonna have that backup but it will still reduce their emissions by you know, 70 to 80% if we base it on the, the Freedom Project that mm. Passive led in, in Wales with hybrid heat pumps. And where are you at on this journey with B-Snug? Is it something you've just started? Is it something you're, you're keeping smallish while you can sort of learn from it and be nimble? Are you throwing everything at it? Um, give us a feel for, for where the so, business is. Yeah, so we launched it in uh, basically about a year ago, this time last Mm. year. Um, Soft launch, while we learned and got it set up, Um, obviously COVID then hit. And yeah, yeah, this is really not a good time for going into people's homes to do surveys um, or indeed going into people's homes to make any installations. So it has been a pretty rough year, I think, for for B-Snug. But... um, I guess the other thing that we've been slightly surprised by is that even in even in off gas grid homes, there's just not an awareness amongst people of what their alternatives are. So there's a real journey, I think, needed in education um, and and just you know making people aware of the options and and making them comfortable with it. Mm. Um, we are also trying some different business models. So Lindsay mentioned resellers. Um, so we are working with one of our resellers who who sells heating oil today, actually. So a company called Gleaners, 
who, just like Lindsay said, sell heating oil today, but are now starting to sell heat pumps too. That's really, really interesting that, yeah, another example of people in the oil channel seeing a way to, uh, to get yeah. into the new energy business. Um, for a company like Shell, Joe, well, I talk with a lot of uh, utilities, oil companies, and one of the challenges is new energy often is starting in the niches and the numbers are small. Um, people want things that will move the needle often and have a big impact. And for a company like Shell, what you're doing with B-Snug is, is tiny. Uh, it's brilliant. It's exactly what the market needs. But how do you, how does Shell look at something like B-Snug where you're starting small, you're learning, um, but ultimately you need scale? Yeah, indeed. Um, it, and it is a balancing act because, you know, heat is, uh, it's not a global problem, clearly. Um, and many countries are much better set up. Um, you know, the examples Lindsay gave in Europe are much better set up to adopt some of these technologies. So it, it is, I would say it is, it is a niche business in Shell at the moment, and we need to be able to scale it and prove it. Um, before we'll be moving it elsewhere and, yeah. and it's a lot easier to think about businesses like investing in offshore wind for example where you get that scale really quickly yeah. or um, EV infrastructure where you also scale much quicker it's a lot easier yeah. in thinking in terms of these types of scaling opportunities than it is in in heat so it is it is very much a test case for us um, yeah. but as you say it's really important in terms of the UK's energy transition yeah and I think the learnings uh in a way, rolling up your sleeves and getting in the market and uh, having propositions like this is a way to learn and create success. And um, partnering with others too, because that's a hmm. hugely important way to learn. Yeah, we don't have all the yeah. answers ourselves. And Lindsay, with hybrids in general, we've been excited about them at, at Delta EE for, for a long time. I'm so excited about them. I have one in my house. Uh, not a B-Snug Joe, it's a, a gas hybrid, not an oil hybrid. Uh, but it's the market for hybrids hasn't really taken off anyway yet, or are we seeing any signs of where uh, where they are getting some really good market pull? Yeah, um, you're right. I mean, when we first started looking at the the hybrids market, you know, was that six, seven, eight years ago? Um, they 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 hadn't sold very many at that point, but they showed really big promise and they really haven't mm. lived up to their promise in terms of, you know, displacing gas boilers at scale. Um, but there has been some success uh, if you look at the, the evolution of the market. I think we're about across all of Europe, about 30,000 uh, hybrids a year, mm. uh, which okay. obviously isn't, isn't much, but that's it's kind of it, it has been growing. Um, I think it's particularly had success where it can address pain points in the heating market, and uh, you know Joe kind of alluded to, to some of these. You know, as as uh, Joe said, there can be challenges with with leaky homes. Um, actually, I wouldn't say that it's, it's only the the technical challenges because you know there's also great advances in in heat pump technology. So mm. a house being leaky in itself isn't isn't the problem, but it is a perception issue, and it's a potentially an easier sell to customers, as as Joe kind of said that you can install a, a heat pump alongside your existing mm. boiler. Um, I think that, yeah. So, uh, and I think with, with those 30,000, clearly there's a market, there's a small market there, uh, but I think the type of yeah. proposition innovation, Joe, that 
you're doing where you're contributing some of the capex is that that experimentation finding ways that will really appeal to customers and it's a market creation job as well because as you say customers aren't aren't aware in, in many countries um i would love to talk about hybrids and be snug and shells activities longer joe but time's getting the better of us so let's bring out the talking new energy crystal ball and this week i'm going to set the dial to 2030 and let's have a question about hybrids so uh in 2030 where will solutions like be snug joe in your case or lindsay hybrid heat pumps in general be and you can answer this question lindsay and joe in different ways about shell and be snug about hybrids in general about the uk or about europe um, but yeah, if you can give us our, our listeners a feel as to where you think hybrids will be for helping to decarbonize heat by 2030. Uh, Joe, let's start with you. Yeah, so by 2030, I would like to see Shell being successful, making money back to the way we started from yep. rather than just investing money, but making money as a provider of energy solutions to homes and businesses across the UK. And that would include energy solutions such as EV charging in the homes, uh, such as you know, batteries and solar panels, but also solutions for heating. And you know, by 2030, I'd like to see that including off-gas grid homes, but also on-gas grid homes. And you know, the government, Lindsay talked about the tar government's target of 600,000 um, heat pumps. Uh, by 2028, I'd like to see Shell playing a significant role in that. But it, for me, it won't just be about heat pumps. So we also talked yep. a little bit about hydrogen, and I think Shell has a role to play as well in supporting the both the production, but also the journey towards um, hydrogen being used first in industry, in transport, but of course in our homes as part of the heating solution too. Okay, so uh, a scale business around home solutions, including heating solutions of which hybrids will play a part that's correct um, yes it won't be the only part but it'll be certainly be part of the solution yeah okay thanks joe uh lindsay how about you yeah I, I think if we focus on the the hybrids part initially um you know i could imagine growth from kind of the tens of or you know around thirty thousand across europe as i said today to perhaps low hundreds of thousands by 2030 but only if hybrids enable capturing significant value from energy system flexibility. That's that's one uh, factor which could really enable the market. Um, also, as, as Joe mentioned earlier, you know, the potential for hydrogen coming in that could extend the, the window of opportunity where the, the gas boiler part becomes renewable as well. Um, so th those could be positive signs. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily put all of my eggs in the kind of hybrids basket um, I could certainly see by 2030 much more pronounced shift towards service-based propositions so a bit like the the, the B-snug element but mm. um, you know everything as a service you know be this with hybrids or with other technologies um, you know, we think this heating sales through kind of service-based contracts could be 10 to 15 percent of annual heating sales across Europe by 2030 yeah. so hybrids may be a part of that but there'll be other okay. solutions as well. So uh, plenty of growth and a part of the part of the journey to decarbonizing heat. Um, well, 
we'll have to leave it there for now and um, I'm challenged but excited by the journey to decarbonizing heat as and other sectors as well and Joe I think it's fantastic to see a company like Shell set that level of ambition and get involved in the market in all the different ways of getting involved in so um, good luck over the next years and um, let's see where we get to so thanks a lot Joe and Lindsay for joining thank you um, thanks as always to our listeners and look forward to welcoming you back to the uh, next episode next week goodbye if you're as passionate about the energy transition as we are, then please keep in touch. You can follow us and me on Twitter, LinkedIn, or subscribe to the podcasts on your chosen podcast platform. If you like the podcasts and like sharing, then please do rate us. And to listen to archived episodes, to read transcripts, and to see the latest Delta EE insights, then please visit www.delta-ee.com. Thank you.